everyone. Welcome to the Bon Voyage language experience. I am your language lady, Elizabeth Porter, and I am coming to you for the, I think this is like the sixth time I have tried to record this podcast episode. Um, I tried to do it yesterday and it was chaos in my house. Like I could not get my children and dog and nanny and whoever else to be quiet for an hour while I tried to, to record. So here I am. I've sent them all away. <laughs> they have taken the dog to the dog park. Um, one of the joys of trying to be a work at home mom and um, having my kids home uh because of the pandemic and and all of that. So I finally brought the nanny back and that has been extremely helpful with the exception of yesterday. So anyway, here I am. Um, there's a lot of things that I'd like to talk about today, um, but our topic for today is going to be how we can best support students of color in our classrooms and how we can best promote diversity in our classrooms. And um, I have some projects that I've been working on along these lines for the past couple of years. Um, but in light of recent events in history, um, our, this is a definitely a historical time right now, isn't it? Um, I just wanted to to talk about this a little bit and and bring some light to it. So. I want to start out before we get into all that. Um, this is definitely a very tumultuous time in our history. You know, we've got this global pandemic and we've got a lot of hatred going on, a lot of divisive, divisiveness and a lot of things that are that are happening in our world that are terrible. And life changing. And I, you know, I, I, I truly believe that this is a this is a moment in history that is going to change our lives forever. And it's been hard. Like I've had a really hard time because I, I mean, selfishly I've had a really hard time just staying home and I've done it but um you know it's it's been hard not to be able to get out there and and do my job and talk to people and connect with people and and be in 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 my element but that's nothing compared to the things that our Black population in the United States is going through at the moment and has been going through for centuries. Um, I want to say, first of all, that to the family of George Floyd, to the families of all of the other people who have lost loved ones in such a horrible and violent way, to have lost because of racism and hatred. I want to just tell you from the bottom of my heart that I am extremely, extremely sorry. 
And that as a white woman, I will never be able to understand that feeling that you are going through. And I will never have those, um, those feelings, but I stand with you and I see you. And as an educator, this is something that I have been trying my hardest to help uh, future generations overcome for years. And it is part of my mission as an educator, um, to, to make sure that all students are welcome, included, have the right to an education, and to feel like they are part of um, the environment and in the classroom, as well as part of the world, and that we are all citizens of humanity. Um, Maybe three or four episodes ago, um, I had talked about the uh, the Super Bowl halftime show and talked about how we all have a place here. We all have a place here. Every single person on this earth has a place here and has the right to be treated with dignity and respect. Every single person. And it's just despicable to me and sickening that in 2020, we still have people in this world, in this country, that are being treated as if they are not human beings, as if they are less than. It is despicable to me that a black man can be targeted in such a way that he is brutally and unfairly murdered by the police, the people who are meant to protect us. And all of these people are saying, you know, because there's looting and there's protests and, and everything. Okay, first of all, it is absolutely 100% okay for these people to go out and protest. Of course they can go out and protest. I would be out protesting with them if I could. I don't live in a place where we're having protests right now. And at the same time, you know, I have two young children at home, but I am protesting right here, right now. It is every person's right to stand up and say, this is not okay. This is not okay. And take to the streets and go out and march and, and, and let everybody know. And I hear so many people out there going, okay, yes, but the looting, the, the destruction, the violence, that that's not okay. It's not okay for them to react that way. Well, first of all, It's not the fact that they, the, the people who are fighting against this racial injustice, this murder, the, this, this, this mistreatment of these human beings, the people that are fighting against that are not the ones who are looting. 
They're not the ones who are causing the destruction. It is extremist groups who are taking the opportunity that they have right now, taking advantage of this period of instability to incite further division, further hatred, further fear. Because what it comes down to is that we fear what we do not know. We fear what we do not know. We fear what we do not understand. And then fear feeds hatred. And therefore, when we fear, when we are afraid, we hate more. The second thing that all of that violence and looting and destruction is doing is distracting us from the real issue. The issue is that there are groups of people in our country, in a country that is supposed to be so far advanced, there are people who are marginalized, who are targeted, who are treated as less than because of the color of their skin. This is 2020. And there are still people who cannot do regular everyday things Because they are afraid of being targeted. There are people who cannot uh, achieve something great without it being questioned because of the color of their skin. Think about that. I was reading an article Um, And it was written by an African-American woman who, um, who had been asked, what is white privilege? And this is something that I've been discussing with my children at length about white privilege, because let's face it, I have the whitest children that ever did live. They are blonde haired, blue eyed, very fair skinned boys. And So we were having a discussion about white privilege and why they have it and what it is and what it means and how they can stand up. Because the fact of the matter is, is that you've got to stand up for this. I want my boys to know that they need to stand up and stand and and say something and and stand up for what they believe in and stand up for justice and stand up for things that are not right. So I was reading an article and this woman said that she was, she went to Harvard and every time she was, uh, she said, Oh, she, she was going to Harvard Um, she was questioned, the one in Massachusetts? 
And she had a, a friend who was going to Princeton who was white. And nobody ever said the one in wherever. I don't know where Princeton is. I don't remember. I don't know off the top of my head. But they said, oh, congratulations. A wonderful job. That struck me because it's like, you know, why why does an achievement even need to be questioned? You know, I was reading in that same article, somebody said, oh, you know, the, somebody got into a really amazing, um, had a really amazing opportunity. And the reason why that person and, and, and people were commenting that the reason why that person was given that opportunity was because of, um, you know, the... Uh, Oh, what is it called? I can't remember the name of it, but it, it's it was where you know they were they were giving priority to you know students of color or people of color. Um, oh, it's just slipped my mind. I can't even remember what the name of it is right now. It was in the nineties, um, but anyway, why couldn't that person be given an opportunity just because that person worked hard? So. It really bothers me that this is happening. And I have always, like I said, I've always been a, a person who really promotes human connection because making sure that we get to know people. You know, there there was a video that was going around on Facebook and it was a guy who... Um, he was he was saying, you know, before you call the police, I want you to know. And then he started listing off things about himself, his personality, his likes, his dislikes, everything he could share about himself and his family. And at the end, he said, I wanted you to know these things before you call the police because I wanted you to get to know me better. It's the truth. When you know people, when you, 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 you know, you're not going to call the police on your friends unless your friend actually does something bad. When you know people, when you know a place, when you know about a culture, when you know things, knowledge is power. So it's really important that when we make these connections with other human beings, we acknowledge that we are stepping outside of ourselves in order to grow and to get to know people and to make connections. I truly believe that this is the at the heart of peace. But this, you know, you just take a minute to get to know someone without judgment. And we all have judgment. We're human beings. Everybody has judgment. But try. Try to put yourself in another person's shoes. Try to take a minute to get to know someone. And the other thing I, I've been hearing a lot of is, you know, with Black Lives Matter and people coming back saying all lives matter. Nobody's arguing that. But the fact of the matter is, is that that's missing the point. 
Do all lives matter? Of course they do. Every single life on this earth matters. It doesn't matter who you are or what color your skin is or whatever. Every single life matters. But when you answer a Black Lives Matter with All Lives Matter, you're missing the point. Black Lives Matter is a movement to bring awareness to the situation, the circumstances, the story of Black people in America. It is crazy how dangerous it is to be a Black man, a Black male living in America. Think about it. What if just going to the grocery store, you worried about walking down the street to get and getting profiled. What happens if what what about if you're driving a nice car being profiled? Black Lives Matter is not saying that not all lives matter, that only Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is bringing awareness. And when you say all lives matter, it's dismissing the fact that they're trying to tell a story. So nobody's saying your life matters more than this guy's life. Nobody's saying that. What they're saying is, listen to my story, please hear me, and please share my story. So as teachers, what can we do? What can we do? Well, there's a lot of things we can do in order to help our students of color in the classroom and help us promote diversity and help our white students understand the stories and understand how to support their 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 classmates and their friends and how teachers can you know honestly it's it's incredible because despite the decreasing number of white students in the classroom um, there are still a majority of teachers that are white. So there are very few teachers of color compared to white teachers, white female teachers. So I am just, um, I've just been thinking about this and, and, this has been, like I said, this has been a project that I've been working on to try to, you know, increase awareness around this for the last few years. And I, the journey, my journey with this uh, started back in, oh, I think it was four or five years ago. Um, my younger son, Noah, was four. And we live in a very white area of Washington State. Um, and he, we were in France. We go to France every single year. And uh, my school has a partnership with Lam and Vichy. And there are a lot of um, African students that 
go there um, during the summers to go study there, but there are also a lot of African teachers that go to do their teacher training. And so um, we were sitting in the hall and I was waiting for my students to come out of class. And my Noah, who was four at the time, um, was sitting there with me. And then there was a man um, who was sitting across from us and he was from Africa and um, Nigeria, I would find out later. He's actually from Chad, but um, lived in Nigeria. And Noah pointed to the man and he said, look, mommy, that man has very black skin. And I looked mortified. I was like, please, gosh, I please, please, please. I hope he didn't understand. Well, he did. He was <laughs> he is a French speaker from um, from Chad, like I said, living in Nigeria. Nigeria is an English speaking country. And he was his P he was getting his Ph.D. in English. And we're actually good, great friends now. Um, we had a laugh over it. He kind of laughed at me. And I said, I am so sorry. Like, I promise you. He goes, no, it's fine. You know, he and, and he and I actually ended up going out for coffee afterwards and talking. And um, just a super interesting, super interesting guy. Um, but anyway, th it was at that point where I was like, Wow. My children, as much as we travel, as much as we spend time in other countries, my four-year-old doesn't, doesn't understand why this man has different color skin. So we did. We talked about it, um, and we had a conversation, and... We, I mean, it was just, it was a, it was a turning point for me because not, it hadn't been about race so much as it had been about culture for me until that point. Um, and like I said, you know, I had a great conversation with, um, with this, this man who is now a, a good friend of mine, um, but then a few years later, I was um, talking to somebody about, um, about my friend who lives in Nigeria. And the stereotype of Nigerians here in the U.S. is that they're, you know, catfish or, you know, like, you know, they send out those letters uh those emails like you know give me your bank account i'm i've got a dead aunt who's a bajillionaire and you know those types of things or you know the dr phil catfish where the nigerian guy is you know trying to catfish some poor lady by telling her that he's going to marry her and all this stuff and she sends him a bunch of money and that's our perception of Nigeria. So I had, I was talking to my friend and, um, another friend of mine. And I said, um, Oh, my, my friend, my Nigerian friend just got graduated with his PhD in English. And he is, he was wanting to go live in an English speaking country. And he had asked if there, if, 
I thought there were any opportunities for him in the U.S. And um, I had advised him against coming to the U.S. because at the time, um, you know, our certain president had just gotten elected and I didn't think it would be a very welcoming place for him. Um, so I was putting him in contact with somebody from Canada. And um, this friend said to me, did you meet this guy on the Internet? That was her first question to me. I said, no, I met him at Cavilam. He and I have been friends and he was living in France at the time and studying there. And it just took me aback. I was like, are you kidding me? I, you know, so just kind of changing these perceptions is the first step. But let's talk about how we can help our students of color in the classroom. Because like I said, a majority of American teachers are white women. There are very few teachers of color compared to white teachers. And so how can we as white teachers help our students of color and support them and show that we see them. My first thing that I advise always when I give the, when I give trainings is to show them people that are successful that look like them. So I do a thing in class um, where we use pop music, and um, it's called uh, Mardi Music, Tuesday Music, and I always pick somebody, um, a song from whatever's popular at the time, and there are two artists from France that I absolutely love. They're, they're, um, one of them is French with Guinea, of Guinean origin. His name is Black M., and the second one is Congo, uh, French with Congo origin, Congolais, he's Congolais, and that's Maître Gims, and I absolutely love him. I met him in November in Canada. I went all the way, I went to Canada because he was on tour to see him. And, um, and so I show students in my class people that look like them. You know, we, we, uh, it's so easy to do that. Show people who are successful that look like the students in your class. Get to know your students as people. Now, this is, this is true for all students, but especially your students of color, you know, have them share their stories, give them opportunities to share parts of their lives, their stories, their truth in class, share things that they're interested in. If they speak another language or from a different religion, I mean, I know a lot of times in school you have to be secular, but honor their culture, honor their language, honor, you know, and when I say honor their language, they might speak English. But there are different dialects of English depending on where you're from, just like there are different dialects of French, and depending on your generation, and depending on lots of different things. 
use language and honor that. You know, I, I teenagers in general, like I, the, I'm learning new words all the time. Like I learned the word bougie, <laughs> you know, I, I learned, you know, there, there are words that they, those teenagers use that, that uh, those of us who are old don't use, but you know, honor those, honor that language and teach language from, you know, I'm a language teacher, so it's really easy for me to honor language. I mean, that's, that's, that's a no brainer for me. Um, find community resources and people in the community that you can bring in that represent you, the students in your class or that look like the students in your class. You know, the, the more that you can bring the appearance of people that are diverse into your classroom. And I also think bringing the community in is just a really good rule in general. Um, it, it really, really is. Use art, music, anything from, you know, plays or whatever that um, represent, you know, artists of color and actors of color and anybody that is non-white. Find artists or art or pieces of work that come from other countries that are non-European. I think this is especially important because when we show students, I mean, we have such a white European viewpoint as it is, you know, when we're teaching history or whatever, our, especially in America, I mean, in Europe too, a lot of times, um, but especially in the United States, we have such a whitewashed view of history and especially that of, of the history of our own country. It's just such a white European viewpoint. Like when we make people like Christopher Columbus a hero and we celebrate, I mean, he was a horrible, horrible person. So bring in perspectives, history from different viewpoints. It was amazing. Um, I took I took Daniel, my oldest son, to Canada, to Quebec, in um, last November. And I took him around. There was a, a lot of history museums there. He and I love to visit history museums. And so there were a lot of history museums there. And I was amazed because earlier, um, at the end of last school year, we had gone on a field trip with his class to um, a history museum in the area where we live. And even the way that they referenced, they called the indigenous people of this area, they called them Indians still. Um, and it was just so like white European, you know, look who came in and saved all these savage people from themselves or whatever. Um, but when we went to Quebec, it was such a different experience, even, and this is in North America, mind you, but it was so different. It was like, let's look at the indigenous people first and let's see what happened. And 
they they were talking about how the French came in and how the indigenous people like if it wasn't for them, the French people would not have survived in that area and all of that. And we happen to know now there's evidence that we happen to know that when the when the Mayflower arrived in Plymouth, they didn't arrive there by accident and they didn't arrive to complete wilderness. We know there's been evidence that shows that that land had already been cultivated, that land had been cleared, and that there was a sophisticated culture, that these native cultures, these indigenous cultures, they were not, quote unquote, savage people like they were, they were, they've been called, they've been made out to be by the white European perspective. And so, it was really interesting to see the contrast and how we have presented history here in the United States versus even how they teach it in Canada. And we know that these, these first people that were here, that were here before the Europeans, they knew they were a lot more advanced than a lot of uh, what they've been at, made out to be. So we also know that about Africa, right? So Africa has been seen as this, you know, place where people are not, you know, that were not advanced and they were not, you know, they're poor and there's a lot of poverty. And, and, and in a way, you know, they've been made to be that way. A lot of resources have been stolen from them. But we also know that Africans did a lot of discovery travel before the white Europeans did. We know that they were in places like South America well before the Europeans. So, you know, just bringing those different perspectives in gives your students of color a, 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 you know, it shows them that you recognize them, that you see them, that you know that they're, that they are meaningful people, that they are meant to be there, that they and makes them feel included. Um, I, I just, it just boggles my mind still, like I said, that people are treated as if they are not human or less than human or treated differently because they have a different color of their skin, um, that they've been marginalized, that they are not, that they don't matter. And like I said, throughout history, it's always been that way. We're going to, we're going to celebrate what the white Europeans did, their accomplishments. And we're not going to even recognize what other places did even before the white Europeans did it. So it's really important that that your 
students of color know that they matter and that you are willing to give them varying perspectives in the classroom. Um, and so I, I've been working on a project um, on a book. It's called, um, well, I don't have a title for it yet, but it's on, it's based on the talk that I give, the training that I give, which is um, making the world your classroom and supporting diversity and students of color in the classroom. And um, so I, um, I've been working on this and, you know, I've been traveling around and, and visiting with people and, and doing a lot of um, research and, and connection with people and kind of getting to know cultures. In the last two years, it's been my, um, my goal to, um, to kind of round this out with a trip to Africa with my children and to set up a program where students from my school could go and visit Africa. And so I have been planning this with a friend of mine from Senegal um, for a little over a year now. Um, we've been talking about it. And when all this happened, pandemic, I mean, the pandemic had me, you know, okay, I'm going to do it this year. But now all this is happening with George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and, and, and fighting racism and it's time. And my biggest thing with wanting to take my children to Africa is that I wanted them and myself, because this is, this is a growth for myself too. I've been on the continent of Africa. I've been to Morocco before. But I wanted to go somewhere where people and culture were va so vastly different than what I'm accustomed to. You know, France is different, definitely, from the U.S. Europe is different from the U.S. Um, there are places where I've been, like Mexico and, and Honduras and places like that, but I wanted to go somewhere where I didn't look like everybody else. I wanted to go somewhere where my children didn't look like everybody else, where we might be looked at and people might be suspicious of us. I wanted to go and be completely immersed in an experience that was vastly different than anything that I've ever experienced in my life. And I want my children to have that too. So I've been working um, with my teacher, a, a teacher friend of mine. He's from Senegal. He actually lives in Gabon and um, teaches French there. And I've been working with him. Um, and he has a um, another friend who runs a school in, in Dakar, Senegal. And so we are planning um, right now. I'm planning for probably earlier in 2021, earlier next year, to take the kids and go to Senegal, set up a program there for our students at Bon Voyage to go and finish my book. Because I think now, I mean, I just put out a book. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a writing 
I'm a writing fiend. Like I write really fast. Like I could probably put the book out now. I probably could have put it out a year ago with what, what it's at right now. But I wanted to make sure that I included this in- incredible life-changing experience in there. And the reason why is just because I feel like there's only, you know, travel is one thing and traveling with your kids is education is, is incredible. Um, and no matter where you go and connect with people and learn a new language and learn how to communicate and, and connect with people, um, at, at the heart, no matter what, that's going to be enriching to your life. However, for me, I don't feel like the book is complete until I have given a very different, uh, a very, a, a very, very, very different perspective of a non-white European viewpoint, if that makes sense. So anyway, so it's going to happen in 2021. I'm going to make sure it does. Um, and I, I th- that's my goal. That's my commitment. And then my first six months of book sales of this particular book, when I'm done with it, are going to go to Black Lives Matter. So I have a campaign um, up because publishing a book is expensive. I just published one. Um, and I publish in a way where I get to keep all of my creative rights. I don't like to sell my creative rights away. Um, that's just me. <laughs> I want to be able to keep everything that has to do with my my own work. Um so I have a, a a a campaign for that part of it, but I, you know, I, you can follow our progress. Um, and I've also, um, I'm also in order to help fund this last part of the book. I'm putting on a lot of trainings um, coming up. So watch the website. I'm gonna put that in the show notes, watch the website because I will be putting up lots of different trainings, teacher trainings. Um, and the one that is the big one right now is, is the language with the five senses certification training, which does include, um, the, uh, supporting our students of color in the classroom. Um, anyway, I just, uh, I hope that this has helped um, give you some ideas um, and, you know, kind of helped inspire. And um, thank you very much for listening today. I really appreciate it. Um, I We have uh, a few sponsors I'd like to give a shout out to, but next time. <laughs> so have a wonderful day and um, go out there, celebrate each other, get to know somebody. That's my challenge to you this week. Go get to know somebody. Go reach out and say hi. and. And get to know somebody that you wouldn't normally get to know. Reach out. Have peace. Take flowers to your mother and take care of yourself. (laughs) Have a wonderful day.